Hello, good people. Welcome to The Chris Stefanik Show, the show that helps you find the joy that God made you for in the midst of everyday life. Don't miss us every week as we dive into real issues with real people and answer real questions. God bless you. My beautiful friends, have I told you lately that I love you? <laughs> we had a great show last week with Andrew Whaley where we talked about how to love the world, how to, how to love and reach out to and welcome in people who who aren't just seekers, but are really kind of anti-church or people who have no clue about Christianity. And that prompted a lot of good questions from our viewers. So this week, we're going to talk about what it doesn't mean to welcome people in, what we're not obligated to do, and how to, how to have the right boundaries with a world that sometimes hates us. Thanks for diving into these sticky issues with us. So last week, Andrew Whaley dug all into how to reach out to people who are on the outside. People who are in the outer rim, who, who either are not interested in Christianity or are completely anti-Christianity. And, he, and he, I love how he puts some real specificity to it. That it's, it's the craft, it's the service, it's the, the places where we as Christians interact and overlap with the world. And, you know, hey, here's some great coffee. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I, really, I think some of the, one of the big reasons that, that we as Catholics have produced some of the best wine, some of the best beer in history... Is because it was our way of saying to a world that's sometimes not interested in God or even anti-God, okay, you're putting yourself out there, but you know what? I'll be here waiting for you with some great beer when you're interested in coming back to the Lord, right? What, what a beautiful thing. And, and it really, there was a particular uh, thread of reflection that emerged from that conversation that we should have a heart of love toward people and be intentional about the heart of love. And the image that struck me was the image of the, of the prodigal son's father. You know, the prodigal son's father caught him, saw him coming, because the prodigal son's father was there looking. He was watching. He was waiting for his son. So do we have that posture to the world? When people push us away, we're not necessarily chasing them down. The prodigal son's father had boundaries, he had limits. He didn't chase the prodigal son into the place where he was tempted to eat pig slop. He didn't go with the prodigal son into the places where he was sleeping with prostitutes and wasting all of his money. No, no. But he did stay there, and with a big, loving heart, he waited. Now, as I was talking with, with, with Whale, we had some great questions come in. By the way, feel free to interrupt me. Uh, text your questions to 720-650-0100. 720-650-0100. And by the way, if you're watching this on YouTube, that's cool, but join the tens of thousands of people who watch this live every week so you can text us your questions. There's cool stuff that happens watching it live, including the fact that if I completely mess up, we can't fix it, right? So you get the edited fixed things on YouTube. <laughs> if something falls over, or I don't know, whatever. Whatever happens, you get it when you're watching it live. So um, we had some great questions come in about, well, you know, yes, we're supposed to be loving and welcoming and opening, but what about boundaries was a question. W what if the person you described that we're supposed to be welcoming toward, that person who... Um, uh, considers herself gender non-binary, is, is bisexual, thinks the church hates her, has a coat hanger tattooed on her arm uh, in support of abortion. What if that person uh, who you're trying to welcome wants to come over your house with her girlfriend and talk about how great abortion is in front of your kids? What about the culture wars? Where are the lines? Where are the boundaries? So we talked about how to be loving and welcoming and opening. Today, we're going to talk about what it doesn't mean to love the pagans and the anti-Catholics in your life. And I think it's really important to talk about what this doesn't mean. Because it's important for us as human beings who want to be happy 
and grounded to have the right boundaries, guys. This isn't just a spiritual endeavor. This is also a psychological endeavor. If you don't have boundaries, you end up trampled on, you end up miserable. So what does it not mean <laughs> that we're obligated to evangelize and welcome the whole world? Number one, evangelization doesn't mean being nice. It doesn't mean never challenging people. Guys, Jesus was not nice. There's a big difference between love and nice. Nice makes a priority to, it makes it a priority to tell people what they want to hear and not what they need to hear. Nice puts your safety first. Nice creates a, 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 a you know, social uh, constructs around you where you're sure that everybody in your life likes you because you make them feel good however they are. Jesus was not nice. And check this out. This is from Matthew 23, 15. When Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, he wasn't nice. He said, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. And he probably sounded kind of like that when he said it. He didn't say, you hypocrites. No, no, no. He, he wasn't nice in this moment. You hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when you've succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. Does that sound nice to you? And I fast forward 10 more verses to verse 25, he's still going off on them. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You glean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, clean the inside of the cup and dish, then the outside will be clean. He also called them whitewashed tombs, which were beautiful on the outside, full of filth on the inside. Guys, Jesus was loving. He wasn't nice. What's that mean for us? That you're supposed to go around uh, and, and yell at everybody that they're blind guides and Pharisees and that they're whitewashed tombs? You, most of the time, you're not supposed to do that. But sometimes you are. Sometimes you need to call evil what it is. Or at bare minimum, you need to gently and lovingly assert the truth about what the church teaches. And I got to tell you, many people in an effort to be nice, which again, is an effort to be liked. It's not about the other person, which is love. It's about you when you're being nice. A lot of people in an effort to be nice have, have been silent about church teaching or almost never go there in, in calling evil what it is, calling sin what it is. Got a great question that just came in. What about the golden rule? Treat others the way you want to be treated. Guys, I want people to be honest with me. I, I want people to be real with me. Dude, I'll let me give you an example right now. You ever watch American Idol? Yeah. The people there who, who uh, they become, you know, viral YouTube videos because they're making fools of themselves. People surrounded them their entire lives who were, quote, nice to them and told them they were great at singing. And they didn't find out until they were in front of the entire world that they actually couldn't sing at all. Were those people loving? No, guys, I want you to be nice Great. I want you more than that to be loving to me, and that requires that you be truthful to me. Now, a lot of times in our efforts to not be confrontational, we're quiet. I'm telling you, we're living in a world right now that knows what you think is a Catholic because they have Google. <laughs> all right? So we can put all the welcome banners we want to outside of our churches. They've Googled to find out what you think. Your silence is not helping you. We got to go there with the hard issues of our day 
even when it doesn't feel nice, and be clear about what the church teaches. I'll give you a little example right now. I, I interact with people on, uh, on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all those places where I, I sometimes don't follow the advice in my own book, and I'm a little addicted to it, and I got to... Um, that's for another uh, topic. Anyway, so I was interacting with someone on, on Twitter the other day where you can watch me debate people. And um, it, we, were, we were debating the, the, the Florida law, which has been mislabeled the, you know, don't say gay law, which is, it, that's, not, that's nowhere in, in the law at all. And, and so I was debating this with people, and this one guy w was talking about how, you know, a, a same-sex couple, this guy should be able to say things about his relationship with his husband in front of your kindergarten. I said, no, no, not at all. I don't want anybody talking about their personal life in front of my kindergartner. I want my kindergartner to learn math and science and then to come home. All right? So this person pushed. Now, now very frequently, we don't want to go there and really just spill in the beans about everything the church teaches. But guys, the world knows. The world has Google. So the guy pushed, and he, and he rightly so. He said, well, which is more disturbing? If I talk about the particular marital activities I engage in with my wife as a straight man, I think he was talking about going on dates and stuff, or my friend tells me about he and his husband went out to a restaurant for their anniversary. Why are they targeting the second but not the first? Okay, so here I am in the corner, the corner that most Catholics don't want to go to, where they're saying, no, 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 be clear. D don't, don't beat around the bush. Why is it not okay? So I, I had to respond. Guys, we have to respond. Our silence isn't saving us here. I said, because not everyone wants their children directly or indirectly taught about gay marriage before your, their children even understand the birds and the bees. And I continued, no one's fighting to make gay marriage illegal right now. But that doesn't mean that everyone agreed to let people uh, teach our kids that it's all equal. Because it's not all equal. That, that gay marriage is the same as the Christian call and, and what mankind has always believed about marriage until well, about five minutes ago. By the way, this is another topic we can cover some other time. In 2008, even Obama said he didn't believe in gay marriage. Anyway. But here we are, guys. We so frequently find ourselves disagreeing with the world and trying to beat around the bush and not just be totally clear and saying things that, yeah, I, I have no doubt that when I say that kind of thing on social media, that might get me canceled. I got to be okay with that. That's not going to be received as nice to say that because all people are equal, that doesn't mean all ideas are equal or all visions of marriage are equal. They're not. They are not equal. One is what God ordained and the other is a perversion of it. We're going to hide behind our silence? No, stop being nice. Number two, evangelization and love and welcome does not mean Having no boundaries. It doesn't mean having no boundaries. All right, sometimes we treat everybody who interacts with the church as if they're a seeker. If someone comes into your church protesting, that person is not a seeker. A seeker has questions that you should answer. A protester, if you're going to walk up to them and start answering their questions, uh, they don't have questions. <laughs> you shouldn't answer questions that people didn't even ask. All right, so sometimes we treat the entire world as if they're seekers or as if they're simply wounded. Here, this person is, is spewing hatred against the Catholic Church. There's froth coming out of their mouth because of the abortion issue, for instance. They're just wounded and they need a hug. Yeah, no. You know, and frankly, I think it's insulting to treat everybody that way. Here's the truth, guys. Sometimes we have to draw straight boundaries with people and say, you're not welcome at Mass right now. 
you're interrupting our worship. Because you're not just wounded and needing a hug. This is from John 3.19. Sometimes, quote, people love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Sometimes that's what we're dealing with. And we've got to face reality. Evangelization is not about not facing reality. Some people hate what you believe because their deeds are evil. Plain and simple. So how do you deal? How do you deal with that? When they're, when they're coming at you. This is from Mark 5, 39. All right, now this, is, this was a time where people were anti-Jesus. They were scoffing at him. He showed up at a house where a, a little girl had died. And when he entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. Guess what happened? They laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Oh man, I love this scripture. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And by the way, in the Aramaic, and this is one of the only times Jesus used Aramaic, uh, where the Aramaic is quoted in scripture. It was a term of endearment. It was like my little girl. It was, it was something a father would say to, to his, his own child. But because that child came first in that moment, the scoffers were not welcome in. I, I think sometimes we have no boundaries and say, welcome everyone, welcome all the time, uh, because we're forgetting that there are kids there. When you love your kid, that requires boundaries in your, in your family, in your home, and at the doors of your church. Always be loving, always be as welcoming as you can be. But sometimes that means you've got to have security at your church, that if someone wants to come in and protest, you're going to escort them out. Sometimes that means that if a protester comes to the door of your church, the men stand up and block the door. Sometimes that means with friends, you make the boundaries clear. And again, there's, there's a place that you can go when you're single or when you're a priest or religious where it's like everybody just come on in. Uh, as a dad, that doesn't work. When I lived in, in Wisconsin, uh, one of my neighbors was a, a, a practicing lesbian, and she was, uh, she, she was a wonderful woman. We actually became good friends with her. And <laughs> actually, we had the conversation where she told us that, I'm like, yeah, I, I kind of figured that. She's like, how'd you know? I'm like, well, because when you moved in and all your friends were there and they were all women and half of them looked like they could beat me up, I figured maybe something was up with that, right? <laughs> But we became great friends with this person. We found the places where we could bond and share life together. And I really love this person. But I'll tell you, uh, I said, she's like, well, can I come over to your house sometime? I'm like, of course you come over to my house. But here's the deal. I got little kids who, who, again, like they don't even understand the birds and the bees yet. So you can come over to my house. I don't want you to come over with a girlfriend and show uh, PDAs with your girlfriend in front of my kids before they even understand the birds and the bees, the male-female thing. Yeah, eventually I'll teach my kid about this stuff. But I have a particular uh, ethic that I'm teaching my kid. Moral parameters that I'm teaching my kid. And I don't want them confused by things being planted in their imagination when they're four. And because this, this person knew that I was saying this in the context of genuinely loving her, she was okay with it. But I'll tell you guys, here, here's the tragedy you have to face sometimes. If someone's not okay with your boundaries and how you want to raise your kids, with the life you're carving out for yourself, 
Well, then sometimes you got to do what Jesus did, and you put them outside the house. Is that unloving? No. No, sometimes love requires that you not open your doors at all times. Uh, great question just came in. How can we set boundaries with our family, like with siblings, in the same exact way I just described, man? And I know this, this requires awkward conversations. I know we all want to be nice because we all want to be liked. What would Jesus do? Jesus was not nice. Sometimes Jesus put people out of the house. Sometimes you got to do this with family members. And just tell them straight, like, look, I, I know how you live. You know that I love you. You know I love you. But I'm raising my kids a certain way. And there's certain topics that are not on the table when you're in my house in front of my kids. Can I beg you to have that conversation with them? Uh, here's another question. What about heterosexual couples? Is it okay for them to show public displays of affection? Yeah, you, you know, with it, within bounds. Guys, he, here's, the, here's the difference, okay? And again, this is the same question I got on Twitter. You know, well, what's the difference in front of little kids? The difference is that I am going to teach my child that there's a particular uh, function when, when they're ready to learn, the birds and the bees, that our body parts have, that God's plan is written in my body, and it's written in his word, and that's how we're to live. That's it. And I don't want you messing with that by planting things in my child's imagination before they figured out the birds and the bees. Now, if a kid grows up and without the influence of people planting things in their imagination, ends up being same-sex attracted, of course I'm going to love my kid, but I'm still going to encourage, encourage my kid to follow God's word and to follow his plan as it was written on their bodies. Because I believe that's the path to true freedom, to authentic love. The path to true freedom and authentic love is not redefining marriage, and it's not sexual intimacy with people. Whether you're, 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 you're straight or you identify as gay. And by the way, Jesus, who showed us the ultimate path to love, was not married. right? So there's a particular path for people if they want to follow the Lord, uh, who are same-sex attracted. And I don't want to get entirely sidetracked into this issue because it could be a whole episode and I don't want to open up that entire can of worms, right? But I'm talking right now about having the right boundaries. I, I, I'm going to teach my kids how to live no matter who they're attracted to. And I don't want people messing with that by putting things in their imagination. I have a right as a parent to, to form those boundaries. And, I, and I'm not going to apologize to anybody. So, one, evangelization does not mean being nice. Two, it doesn't mean lacking any boundaries. Stop treating everybody like a seeker, because sometimes if they're anti, they're not in seeker mode, right? Three, evangelization, loving, welcoming, does not, need, does not mean cowering. All right, guys, let's get off the defense and let's start being the church on the offense. I think we've been pushed in a corner and become a church on the defense because the world is so good at gaslighting right now. It's crazy. Uh, if you don't know what gaslighting is, look that term up. It's a great term to describe ways that people psychologically mess with each other. All right, there's a movie, Gaslighting, this old, I think, 1950s movie, where a guy kept turning the gas down in his house and the lights got dimmer and dimmer. And every time his wife said, uh, are the lights getting dimmer? He said, no, 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 that's, that's just in your head. And eventually he convinced her she was crazy. The world's gotten very good at gaslighting, at labeling you as crazy for everything you think as a Catholic. I'll give you some examples. You tell somebody you're a Catholic and you dive into any issue. And again, I interact with a lot of people on, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Whenever it's a remotely controversial issue, I might get a thousand comments guaranteed 
Within the first 10 comments, someone's going to say, yeah, shouldn't the church clean up its sex abuse problem? That's gaslighting. That's indirectly telling me, uh, Chris, yeah, yeah, you're representing the Catholic view? Oh, so you support priests who are pedophiles? Are, are, are you kidding me? No. By the way, it's an extremely minuscule percentage of our priests fell into that, and the church has been very aggressive at correcting it. Thanks be to God. But there's an example of gaslighting. Another one. Every time I bring up any problem I have with the whole woke thing, the, the immediate response is, well, you don't care about the oppressed? Uh, no, I didn't say that. Actually, I care a lot about the oppressed. But I care about them too much to let people sneak in deconstructionist agendas under the umbrella of, but there are oppressed people. It's, it's good to stand up for, for minorities who are, who, are, who are the victims of racism. But if you want to topple a, a statue of Junipero Serra at the same time and spray paint a church, uh, no. <laughs> but every time I, I go there, every time, guarantee someone's going to see this episode and send me an email. You don't care about the oppressed? Yeah, I do care about the oppressed. Here's another one. I don't think that adults should be influencing kids and planning things in their imagination about gay marriage before they figured out the basics with the birds and the bees. Boom. Response I'll get right away. Oh, so you hate people who identify as gay. That, yeah, no. No, I don't. But I'm going to have my boundaries. Or here's another hot one right now. Second you say you're against abortion, oh, so you hate women's rights. Uh, here's a question that just came in. How can we be a church on the offense when we've lost credibility? Man, that is a great comment. Uh, my credibility, I stand on Jesus Christ and his truth, and the truth never loses its credibility. So there's a lot of people within our church leadership that have, in fact, lost credibility, either through their silence or through their moral failures. Uh, and you know, I, and I, I think it's okay to condemn that. And, and we regain credibility, and most of our, our bishops and priests have done this by saying, hey, that's not me. Let's just go there. When people challenge it, I think it's okay to respond and say, that's not me. Guys, I, dude, no priest messing up is going to scare me away from the church. Maybe it's my Irish uh, uh, temperament and, uh, and, and stubbornness. But you know, when this stuff happens, I almost cling to the church even more deeply. Why? Because it's not their church, it's mine. And I'm here for Jesus. I'm just here for the food. Right? <laughs> so guys, when the, when the world's trying to gaslight you, don't be silent. And, and this blew my mind. I've, I've been reading the Acts of the Apostles with my kids lately, and I recommend going through books of the Bible from beginning to end. It's so cool, because they actually read like a story. Uh, specifically the New Testament, especially when you're talking with your kids. Easiest to understand, easiest for them to wrap their heads around. The, the Gospels and Acts. So we're going through the Acts of the Apostles, and I'm hitting Acts chapter 5, and I'm just so inspired by the fact that nothing, no attempt to shut the apostles up stopped them. So the, 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 uh, the Jews in Jerusalem put them in jail for preaching about Jesus Christ. An angel released them. The next day they were in the city square, in the temple, preaching the Gospel. They brought them back. We strictly charge you not to teach in this name, and yet here you are. You fill Jerusalem with your teaching. You intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. We have to obey God rather than men. Whenever the world tries to shut you up, and, and by the way, whenever the gaslighting thing happens, you need to recognize it for what it is. These aren't people who want genuine dialogue. What they want is to make you tired so that every time you open your mouth, 
you hear 15 responses and accusations. I'm not obligated to engage every single accusation. I'm just not. In fact, I, I like by-stepping, just stepping aside. I have the point that I'm sticking to. And I don't have to engage you. I could put you out of the house on my social media. I can even tell you lovingly, hey, look, I don't engage the far left. I don't engage the far right. In fact, I did it with someone today. And I'm, <laughs> I'm identifying you right now as far left. I'm, I'm about the 85%. I love you. You're a good person. But the Lord's called me here, and this is where I'm focusing. You can gaslight me from there all that you want. I have something that I've been charged to preach. So do you. So do you. So don't stop preaching the truth. And that's not easy when you're being gaslit. Uh, someone asked a question, has the fight ever gone too far, like with the Crusades? By the way, when you say the Crusades, these are events that happen over hundreds and hundreds of years, and not every crusade and everything that happened in every crusade was bad. The, the crusade started with a genuine desire to protect pilgrims who were being killed in the Holy Land. So not everything happened. And, and if you go to the Holy Land still, I lead pilgrimages to the Holy Land. Come with me someday. Uh, there's crusader um, uh, flags flying in the Holy Land still. It's part of the history there. Uh, they, they, were, they were in charge there for a very long time. But, so they weren't all 100% bad. Now, Things happened in the Crusades that were horribly bad, and yes, you can go too far. And i got to tell you, i got to warn you against this, this trend. Uh, there's definitely a movement among Catholics who are, again, I, I'm not engaged in the far left. I'm not really engaged in the far right too much when they come at me, and both do come at me, and that's a good sign, right? But there's a, there's a far right contingent that does think that we should have theocracy. And we could do a whole show, show on that. And, and they believe in something called I integralism, that there should be this complete merger of church and state where the church is telling the state what to do. Um, I, I disagree. All right. And yes, you can go too far, especially if you, go, if you become violent. Guys, there's, there's a radically different way that we should engage the world when it comes to heart issues. We should look different from angry, frothing at the mouth, yelling Antifa mobs. People should look at us as we engage in issues that really matter a lot to us and think, oh, they're different. And what's the difference? It's love. So back to my point here. We shouldn't cower. We need to be a church on the offense and, and be clear in our teachings and not let people scare us into silence. And Pope Benedict XVI said this, a beautiful quote. He said, a hundred years ago, everyone would have thought it absurd to speak of homosexual marriage. And, and again, I clarify, more like five minutes ago, not even a not hundred years ago. Again, 2008. President Obama said he opposed gay marriage. This was everybody across the board throughout all of history until 2015. Everyone would have thought it absurd to speak of homosexual marriage. Today, whoever opposes it is socially excommunicated. And I'm, I'm painfully aware that this is going to be on YouTube and this might get banned, might get pulled. You'll certainly have an, an auto link come up after this video to something that is anti-church or pro-gay marriage. All right. Uh, the same applies to abortion and the production of human beings in a laboratory. All those things would have been considered absurd. Modern society is in the process of forming an anti-Christian creed, and resisting it is punishable by social excommunication. Social excommunication. How true, how scary. The fear of this spiritual power of the Antichrist is too natural. It takes the prayers of a whole diocese and universal church to resist it. Where do you get your courage from? The kind of courage that the apostles had when they were brought in jail, told not to preach, they went out and preached again. They were whipped and told not to preach, they went out and preached again. Should we obey you or God? It comes down to prayer. Is God in your mind? Is he there during that conversation where you want to hide in your silence? Is he there? All right, so 
How do we, how do we, how do we not evangelize? What does welcoming and loving and evangelizing and reaching out to a world that hates us not mean? It does not mean being nice. It does not mean lacking boundaries. It does not mean going on the defense all the time and cowering while you're gaslit. And finally, it does not mean getting lost in the issues. Guys, we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. Here's another thing that's blowing my mind as I go through the Acts of the Apostles with my children. The apostles were constantly talking about Jesus. Look, I would encourage you to engage the issues of our day, but always and only engage those issues as a way of pulling people back to the best news in history, to the gospel of Jesus Christ. This happens throughout the Acts of the Apostles. Hey, did you heal that blind man? Yeah, let me tell you about Jesus. Hey, why are you preaching in the name? Let me tell you about Jesus. It's like a person on a successful presidential campaign. Every question they get, they somehow manage to twist the question back into the topic that they want to talk about. That's how you win. That's how we win the world for Jesus Christ. And i got to tell you, outside the context of the love of the Father in His Son, Jesus Christ, of Jesus' death for us, of His calling us to eternal life, outside that context, guys, no other issue we engage in is going to make any sense. I'll never forget one time I was at a theology on tap, and this guy started heckling my bishop about the abortion issue. And my wife went up and talked to him after because maybe she wanted to get in, into a fight. I don't really know why she did that. But <laughs> well, she was drawn to, to engage this person. We had a great conversation. went for like an hour. We were explaining all the, the logic of the church's teaching about abortion to this guy. And at the end of the conversation, he said, yeah, I think my mom should have aborted me. And it struck me in that moment. Here I am trying to convince someone about the dignity of a fetus and how society should uphold and protect that dignity, and this guy has no idea that he should even exist. Here's someone who hasn't heard the gospel. Guys, outside the context of the love story of the gospel of Jesus Christ, no moral issue that we teach about makes any sense. No moral teaching, no doctrine, no dogma, no ritual, nothing makes sense. And frankly, all of human life doesn't make sense. We have to constantly call people back to that love of the Father in His Son, Jesus Christ. And how do we do that? Well, to go full circle, I think it comes back to what we did talk about last, last week, that we have to have that heart of love, the love of the, the, of the, the prodigal son's father. And I think if, if we're led by that love of our Lord and that love of other people in our lives, we're going to land with the right balance when it comes to reaching out to and welcoming people in the door who Jesus died for. He loves them so much, and he loves you so much. And at the same time, not doing it in a way that's so, quote, nice, that we don't win any converts because they don't even see that there's a, any sort of boundary between us and them. So what are we inviting them into, right? It, the, the, the church is the kingdom of God, and a kingdom has a king, and it has boundaries. And that's a good thing. Thanks for watching. Thanks for building the kingdom with me. God love you. Man, wasn't that great? Listen, if you don't want to be happy, be sure not to subscribe. But if you want a more joyful life, the kind of life that God created you for, the kind of life Jesus promised when he said, I came to give you life to the full, then make sure you hit subscribe and share this channel with everybody you know.